Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Chris Mills. Chris is the VP of Product Marketing at SalesLoft. And in this episode, we talk about how and why SalesLoft revised their go-to-market cadence, how product marketing can best interface with sales enablement, and what actually goes into a major rebrand. In just a few moments, you'll hear Chris talk about the big rock strategy for product marketing. The idea is that you start with the big, meaty, and hairy stuff first, and the ancillary priorities fit in around that. These big product pushes are so exciting. They are real accomplishments for the company, and they should be celebrated. Companies plan all sorts of events around product releases. There are all-hands meetings and dedicated training sessions. There are new ways to market and new ways to sell. And there might be dozens, if not hundreds, of new pieces of collateral that are created depending on the size of the product release and the company. In my day job, I think about how audio plays a role in how businesses communicate, and smart businesses are leveraging internal company podcasts because of their authenticity, scalability, and portability. Podcasts can be used for the big rocks in your company, but honestly, I think they work really well for the pebbles in the sand. A podcast is a passive way for listeners to digest important company information, and it's an ideal way for the communicator to slow down and explain a little bit more. It's a nuanced format to talk about implications, to convey some internal thought leadership, to meaningfully elevate voices from within the organization. But it's also a potent way to reinforce key points and to main messaging engagement across your major product releases. Venly is an audio platform for business, and we believe that your audio content should live where you do business. We enable the secure and private distribution of company audio content into the flow of work. Do you use channels like Notion, Asana, or SharePoint? Embed mobile responsive audio players there with customizable security settings to ensure private listening. Do you use Slack? Leverage Venly's first-to-the-world Slack integration and share company audio content privately there all with robust listener insights that roll up no matter the listening destination. Are you curious about how audio might play a role in how you communicate to internal audiences? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the fascinating Chris Mills. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Nice to see you, Brian. Chris Mills is the Vice President of Product Marketing at SalesLoft. In this role, he's responsible for driving product, partner and vertical marketing, as well as go-to market strategy and competitive and market intelligence. Chris has over 20 years of experience in marketing, product management, business development, and strategy in the software and technology industry. He specializes in delivering complex software and services to customers across a variety of industries. Chris previously served as VP of Marketing at Hearsay Systems and VP of Portfolio Marketing at Pros. Chris, thanks again for being with me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, great to talk to you, Brian. So for those that aren't familiar, what is SalesLoft? There's a lot of sales SaaS out there. How is SalesLoft differentiated? Yeah, great question. Uh, SalesLoft's a SaaS company uh, in the sales tech space. Uh, we're headquartered in Atlanta. Uh, we crossed the 100 million ARR milestone earlier this year, which was really exciting. And we're about 650 employees worldwide. We, our solution helps thousands of the world's most successful selling teams drive more revenue. What we call the modern revenue workspace by SalesLoft is the one place where sellers and sales teams execute all their digital selling tasks, communicate with buyers, understand what to do next, and advance deals. It's got the most critical tools for digital selling, including best practice workflows and all the communication channels sellers need. 
we include data and AI right in the workflow to help sellers identify the most engaged prospects, winnable but at-risk deals, and the trends that can help them tweak their go-to-market process and improve performance. It's where teams come together to advance deals. Having one place for digital selling helps sales leaders drive alignment across their sales teams. The modern revenue workspace is built around Cadence, which is our core platform, which is a workflow engine purpose-built for sales and deals, an opportunity management system that helps teams manage both specific opportunities as well as their overall pipeline. And then sellers can communicate with buyers through multiple channels, dialer, email, calendar, SMS, social, et cetera. And then finally, our conversations product is our conversation intelligence solution that lets teams manage and coach on meetings across all you know, teleconferencing platforms, Zoom, WebEx, et cetera. And we're the only sales technology platform that brings all of these technologies together into a single sales platform. So a big initiative of yours has been refining the go-to-market process at the company. At a high level, how did you know that the go-to-market process needed tweaking? Were there some key indicators that suggested a rethink of the process? Like, What's your guidance to other companies that are looking to better codify that go-to-market motion? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, go to market is a really broad topic, right? You know, Sales Loft is in a high growth market. Uh, even prior to the pandemic, you know, our market was growing fast. Companies in general were looking to invest in sales technologies. And there's a prolifer- proliferation of different technologies and tools that are out there to help sales teams. And, you know, over the course of the pandemic, what we saw was an acceleration in a lot of companies' digital transformation efforts. And you know, with that opportunity also comes a lot of potential chaos, right? Like you have all these potential different ways and, and go-to-market directions that you can run in. And uh, as a leadership team, you kind of have to evaluate different growth levers and go-to-market segments that you might want to target and size them, prioritize them, understand you know, your, ability, your ability to penetrate those different segments. So one of the things that we did, you know, pr- even prior to the pandemic, but then even you know, we refreshed this motion every six months or so. But one of the things that the product marketing team did was come together with our overall leadership team and strategy team to evaluate different growth strategies, size and rank, all these different markets that we had an opportunity to go after and prioritize them against a go-to-market roadmap and, and timeline because, yeah, we could go in 50 different directions. There's so much greenfield opportunity for us with a huge TAM and you know all these companies with uh, accelerated uh, digital transformation efforts, but we can't do everything at one time. And so you know, we put together a framework that allowed us to sort of evaluate the different growth levers that we had and prioritize them and kind of focus on like, hey, let's pick the top three as major focus areas for the company. And then like, let's pick some others and put them further out the roadmap or put them in sort of the research investigation category so that we can look at them later. So some of those growth levers included things like evaluating different user or buyer persona groups. You know, typically, you know, our original user base was primarily in the SDR sort of high velocity inside sales world, but there's a whole world of sellers out there who aren't inside sellers or, or weren't until the pandemic, uh, who are full cycle reps who manage everything from prospecting to close. And how do we better serve those sellers? 
uh, moving up market into enterprise. The go-to-market motion between commercial SMB and enterprise is very different. And so what are the things you need to do to put in place uh, to serve that market? International expansion, different verticals, like our ICP has traditionally been in tech. But as we looked at you know, the world changing and more companies waking up to the fact that they really need to accelerate their investments to enable digital selling, particularly with the pandemic and the hybrid remote uh, work environment that we're working in now, how do we serve those other verticals? How do they buy? Who are the buyers in those organizations? Like, What are the different messaging and use cases that you serve in those markets versus perhaps your traditional uh, ICP? And then other things like partners, how do we co-sell with partners or co-market with partners to drive um, you know, opportunities, build pipeline, and help make customer, customers more successful through partners? Uh, and then finally, like there's the sales ecosystem that you play in, right? Like typically sales tools sit on top of a core CRM uh, system of record. And, and a lot of our customers in the original world were Salesforce customers, but how do we go after the Dynamics market or HubSpot or other core CRM uh, systems or other tech ecosystems? So those are all things that we looked at. And then from a go-to-market levers perspective, evaluating like what's the selling notion and team structure that you need to go after a particular market? Like what, what are the differences in marketing uh, going after those different go-to-market segments? So as an example, enterprise is very account-based marketing focused and sales focused versus SMB commercial, much more broad-based marketing efforts to you know, kind of fish with nets instead of spears. And then from the product perspective, like you know, the product requirements may differ as you go after different segments. You know, enterprise has its own set of requirements around governance and administration and you know, scale of managing large user bases. Verticals may have you know, vertical industry-specific things that they need in the product. And then obviously, as you go international, there's requirements around language and you know, different customs and you know, how, how the UX might operate um, or you know, different um, terminology that people use in, in different countries. So all of those things we take into consideration when we're looking at going after markets. And some may require larger investments from a go-to-market or product perspective than others. With this new refinement, there's now a quarterly launch cadence on the on the product side. You have a broad remit at SalesLoft, and I imagine that frequently you're the connective tissue across functions. How do you think about building alignment and synchronizing these efforts that you just spoke about, right? Across enablement, comms, consumer marketing, engineering, the list probably goes on beyond that. Are there any best practices that you've developed? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. As a company scaling, in the early stages, yeah, the company is just cranking out new products and features all the time. You know, serve, trying to serve the needs of customers, building things that they ask for, rounding out the edges of the products that you might have, you know, kind of build out in a you know minimum viable way, but you need to kind of you know completely fulfill, while also looking at other strategic uh, investment areas and new products. And, you know, in that motion, you're you're like particularly as a product, as a development organization, and as a product marketing organization, and the rest of the sort of downstream functions, enablement, revenue team, sellers, etc. You're in this sort of constant release and launch motion. Like literally, uh, you know, when I got to Salesloft, we were about you know 20 million in ARR and had a couple thousand customers. We were literally releasing products every week, sometimes on a daily basis. Uh, in a continuous dev and deployment model. And while this has a ton of benefits in terms of getting new innovations out to customers and in their hands as soon as possible, it also create and it also reduces risk, right? Like the more you can 
put things out independently, the less sort of, you know, uh, when you bundle things together, two things combined or five things combined may break something uh, in a product that's harder to track down. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to that model, but it's also got some downsides. Uh, you know, at some level, it creates a little bit or, uh, you know, in some cases, a lot of chaos in terms of the constant blast of communication that needs to go out both through internal teams, enablement, our revenue team, sellers, customer success, support folks as new things are you know constantly going out. So that's the internal pro- communication problem. And then on the external side, like you need to find ways to get information into the hands of the users of like, hey, there's a bunch of new features. Like you should take advantage of this. Or have you seen this new thing yet? This new workflow. And what happens is like you're just this constant onslaught of communication that goes to customers, they tend to sort of lose the signal from noise and not and, and miss the big things for the smaller things. And so, and I've seen this at multiple companies before where like there's a certain point you get to where your engineering team is big enough and you're you know, cranking innovations out all the time that you need to move to a more regular rhythm of a release and launch process. Uh, and so that's what we did. You know, over the last 18 months, we've moved from that sort of constant drip of new things and communications and the product marketing team being on this sort of constant wheel of needing to write blog posts and you know, product feature updates and pendo announcements and things like that to first a six-week launch cadence where we were still developing things in a continuous development and deployment model. And if they were smaller things, we can just push those things out and they have low impact on the user experience. Um, or have a you know high discoverability and you know easy for the users to sort of figure out and, and start using. And then in some cases we may hold you know bigger things that have a bigger impact until we can properly communicate it around the launch cycle. So first we moved to a six-week launch cycle, and then over time, uh, over the course of this year, we moved to a 12-week launch cycle, which is set off cycle to our fiscal quarter. So right in the middle of our fiscal store quarter, we start a new 12-week launch cycle. And, you know, the planning is done in advance of that as the, as the previous launch is being finished up. And by the time we start that 12-week launch cycle, we know like the big innovations that we're going to do and all the planning for that and some of the smaller things. And so what that launch rhythm allows us to do is batch smaller things together into you know, a bigger market story around specific themes and then it also allows us a longer development planning cycle and delivery cycle to build bigger market moving innovative things uh, and, and make those the launch themes each quarter. Um, so it's been a really cool evolution to see that and the you know kind of the rhythm that that's created and the collaboration between you know, both the product marketing organization and the product development uh, organization our enablement and, and revenue teams where we just created a lot more predictable rhythm. And I think our customers appreciate it too, because every quarter they get an announcement of like, Hey, here's the new innovative things that have been delivered by sales loft. Here's a virtual summit that you can attend to learn more and see demos of, of the new stuff and uh, ask questions uh, of your teams. Um, so I think it's, it's been, it's been a really good innovation in terms of the way that we're bringing products to market. And the other thing to note is, is we haven't moved away from the continuous development and deployment model. Like we still are continuously pushing things in, into production 
again, that have lower impact to users and like are easily discoverable and um, they don't need to be trained on or our sales teams don't necessarily need to be trained on to, to deliver or demo. But then for the more complicated things, we'll hold those to make sure that we've got an enablement rhythm in place uh, to make sure our teams you know, can properly articulate the value of those things and, and demonstrate them or weave them into their demo workflows. What's the big rock strategy? And how does this practically play out and how you might message these various audiences that you're talking about? Yeah. So I, I don't know if folks have heard of the story. It's been told by, you know, a bunch of different writers and, and different folks. I think Franklin Covey talked about it where uh, it's a story about if you have a, a jar and on your table uh, next to this empty jar, you have some big rocks, you've got some smaller pebbles and smaller rocks, and then you've got sand. If you put the sand in first and then you put the small rocks in, there's no room for the big rocks. And so the point there is, is focus on the bigger things first, uh, and then you can fill the spaces with the smaller things. So in this empty jar, if you put the big rocks in, and then you put the smaller pebbles, the pebbles fill the spaces uh, around the bigger rocks, and then you pour the sand in, it sort of filters through. And I've even seen a version of that story where, where a professor at uh, some business school takes a beer and he says, there's even room for a beer at the end, <laughs> and pours a beer in over the sand. So it's a cool story. And, and so- how, there's, a, there's always room for the beer at the end. Exactly. So let's there's just agree on that. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, what does that mean for our go-to-market and, and you know, launch process? Uh, we've sort of adopted that methodology around like, let's plan our launch rhythm around these big rock innovations. So big rocks are like the big market moving innovations that we build the themes around our launch cycles for. And it could be you know, data and AI or integrated workflows across the different parts of our platform or an entirely new product uh, innovation. Like those are all examples of, of big rocks. Uh, and some big rocks may take one uh, 12-week cycle to build. Some other you know, more major things like a new product might take multiple 12-week cycles. So, but like we build those big rocks first. That's where like if, if the development and product management team are focused on any one particular thing to fill their time, it's like, let's make sure we get the big rocks done on time. And then if we've got the ability to do smaller customer requests or polish the edges of features that we've deployed previously, then they can sort of fill their time um, after they've kind of uh, accomplished the work that needs to be done on the big rocks with those smaller kind of innovative or you know, so incrementalism uh, enhancements. And typically what we can do is, is that because we've got a 12-week cycle, we can sort of batch some of those smaller things together and even put them around you know, broader themes. So it really gives us a better ability to tell a story in the market. I'm curious specifically about sales enablement. So every quarter, there are these new features that a salesperson needs to incorporate into a demo and there are new questions that need to get answered during the sales process. And, you know, outside salespeople are now inside salespeople because everything, right? There's just a whole bunch of new skills uh, that need to be developed here on a continual basis. So what does sales readiness content look like for you? Are you creating new collateral every quarter or is it more modular and that you're thinking about how this feature push builds off of the past collateral? Like, how are you thinking about getting your teams ready to go out and actually sell this thing? A great question. You know, we the the product marketing uh, organization works really closely with our partners in you know what we call our revenue enablement group. So at Salesloft, we've combined the selling organization with the uh, post sales organization. So customer success and professional services all sit within one organization, and all of those teams need to be enabled not just to sell but also to help implement support customers. 
Uh, and so when we think about enablement, we think about it across that entire you know group that serves the customer lifecycle from the buying process to the you know kind of deploying and, and getting usage out of the product, uh, which is great because I think each of those and, and each of those people need to know what's going on, but then they may need you know slightly different detailed versions or you know the support team needs a little bit more technical uh, information about how to set things up or how to answer questions when when customers call in. So we think about the enablement process through that lens. You know, with so much things going on in our company, high growth, a lot of innovation, lots of process change and you know, things that we're learning as, as we evolve. In any given month, there's a variety of things that could be rolling out through the enablement teams to the revenue organization. It could be, you know, and some of it's not product innovation. It could be sales process stuff, new kind of selling assets that are non-product related, you know, vertical specific messaging or assets, updates to demo flows, you know, competitive intelligence and like how the customer should be or how our sales teams and revenue teams should be winning and depositioning the competition, objection handling, all kinds of stuff. And in that set of things that has to go out to the revenue team are also product innovations. And so one of the things that we think about is the need to balance getting stuff out to the revenue teams uh, with making sure that we're not taking too much of their selling time or customer, you know, servicing customers time. And so we try to like create a re regular rhythm of things that we're rolling out to them and limiting it to just a few things in any given period. So we're not overwhelming them because, you know, there's only so many things that you can absorb in a, you know, kind of virtual Zoom meeting. So, you know, we have monthly revenue all hands meetings. So we typically will use those as a forum to roll out um, a variety of enablement tools, new sales collateral, uh, product innovation. You know, here's all the stuff that's that's coming in the in the launch that's happening next week or whenever it is. For example, we're doing a launch next week, and uh, we've got an all hands uh, revenue all hands the day before the launch or the day of the launch to you know sort of here's all the stuff that you need to be able to articulate the new message and all the new product innovations. So and then we also do things in smaller forms, like each of our segment leaders uh, has their own kind of weekly team meeting. So like for things that are a little bit more complicated or we want to reinforce, we'll often do one, one to a few sessions instead of one to many, many uh, sessions in all hands format so that it's more of a dialogue and people can ask questions. But I mean, the way I look at it is... Uh, oh, and then you also asked, um, is it a, is it you know net new content? Is it an evolution of existing content? It's a mix. I mean, I think when we do product launches, we'll typically you know provide slides of like here here are all the new innovations within this major product line, so that it's highlighted. Uh, so that's kind of net new. Like, hey, if you want to know what's new in this module, like or you know product, here are all the new things. But then there's evergreen content like. Uh, you know, sales deck that talks about like what that product line does. We'll just incorporate those new things into that evergreen content. So it's it's a mix of like net new and you know, make sure that we're up. To, and same thing for the website, right? A lot of times when we launch things, there'll be an opportunity to include new, major, innovative things that like are part of our market message. We'll we'll update those things uh, on the website. So, I mean, a close partnership with enablement is critical to ensuring strong alignment uh, with sales and, and the rest of the revenue teams uh, and the marketing and you know, spe specifically product marketing organization. We'll get you out on this question. You just underwent a major rebrand. So mazel tov. 
It's been, uh, you know, I, I keep telling people, uh, you know, it was, it was a process of uh, trying to keep a bunch of plates spinning and, and not falling down all, all at one time. And it was, uh, you know, I think we got most of the plates landed and served on the table without breaking, uh, breaking all of them. What are the considerations that play for you when you think about, you know, how you tell this story from a product marketing perspective? Yeah, I think it was, you know, there's when you, when you launch a new brand, it's like, you know, there are so many things at play, right? Because it's, you know, it's not just like, we've got a new logo and a new color palette. You know, we created an entirely new story about sales loft and even a new story about sales. I mean, that was a big theme of the brand launch is, you know, we're telling a new story about sales. And so, you know, ton of work went into that. And like, when you talk about a new brand promise and the story that you're telling to the market, that's the, that has to trickle its way down to the way that you position your product, the way that your sellers and, and your revenue teams uh, talk about the product and the problems that you solve for your customers. And so there was a lot of coordination. And, you know, as you think about a brand update, I mean, there are hundreds of assets that we have across, you know, all the different sales and marketing collateral and tools that we have. And so, you know, you need to prioritize those and figure out, okay, which ones do we must have ready for the brand launch so that the sellers and, and you know, obviously the website needs to be updated and the, you know, top 20 or, you know, top 50, you know, sales tools that the team uses all the time need to be refreshed and updated and not only in the new brand palette, but also how do we weave in the new messaging and positioning in with the story that those slides tell. So there was a lot of work that went into the coordination of that. And then also, uh, yeah, it was really important for us to make sure that the new brand was reflected in the product itself. Uh, right. So, you know, when you launch it, and, and this doesn't always happen. I've worked at companies before where we launched a new brand and it was six months later by the time the product actually reflected the new, new brand palette. But it was really important for us to kind of have a coordinated effort and have like the new sales loft show up all at one time on the website in the way that our sellers are engaging with customers and prospects and in the way that our users are using the product. And so there was a lot of coordination effort that went along with our launch process, right? So like we include, we included the brand update uh, into the, you know, big rock launch process and the update to the brand and the overall UX, because so, it wasn't just the brand. It was like, how do we create a more uh, seamless workflows across the different parts of our platform and uh, you know, a better uh, user experience overall, in addition to having the new brand reflected. And so that was one of the big rocks uh, in, in, this, um, in this launch cycle. And then it was really threading the needle in terms of making sure that there was coordination between the product and engineering team who were going to flip the switch on the product to make sure that the you know, kind of brand got updated at the same time as the website gets updated and that messages go out to all of our users in advance of their business day uh, so that, you know, when they log in in the morning, they've got an email that, you know, is, is sitting in their inbox. They log into the application and they've got a pendo message that says, hey, not sure if you noticed, but like the whole application and UX has been refreshed. And here's some of the other product innovations that, that you'll find in this launch. And then what complicates that even further is we're a global organization with users all around the world. And so we've got, you know, coordination of time zones between, you know, the East Coast where we're headquartered, West Coast where we have a lot of users, Europe and APAC. And, you know, we, we chose a launch day that was in the middle of the week so we can make a big deal of it. Um, but as a result of that, it's really hard to coordinate across time zones between the U.S., 
Europe and APAC. And so we had to choose a time that was going to impact the least number of users in the middle of their business day. Uh, so it was definitely a, a, a tightrope walk uh, to make sure all that happened smoothly. 6 p.m. Eastern time. What what time was it? It was, uh, we chose basically midnight, midnight East Coast time, which is really early in the morning before immediate people come in, obviously in the middle of the night for West for East Coast people. Uh, also, you know, late enough on the West Coast that people aren't really, you know, still online. Uh, but in APAC, it's kind of the middle of their business day. So like they will have some impact where like they're in the app and then all of a sudden like, oh, wow, the whole thing changed. I got a message that says, you know, the, the brand is and user experience is refreshed. I'm joined today by Chris Mills of Sales Off. Chris, thanks for all your wisdom today. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. I, I'm happy to be here and uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me.